Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit simplecast.com. Tune into Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. a show by music magazine DC Music Download that you can find on Full Service Radio broadcasted live from the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan. If you're new to what we do, this is where you can meet and get to know the people behind DC's most interesting music projects. These aren't just the folks that you see on stage, but the people behind the scenes who are making things happen and really helping to push the music scene forward here. So today, I'm really excited to bring two guests who are really kind of helping to move and activate the music scene in D.C. Um, Our first guest is Eric A. Moses, who is the Senior Vice President and Managing Director of Sports, Entertainment, and Special Events at Events D.C., and Sunny Sumter, Executive Director of D.C. Jazz Festival. So, Eric, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk to your fans. Yes. So tell me a little bit more about what you do. I, I see events DC everywhere, and it seems like you are always a part of big spaces and big events that are happening in DC, especially from a music perspective. So can you talk a little bit more about what your day-to-day is? Well, lots of people uh, at the home office are smiling now to hear you say that you see us everywhere. <laughs> um, uh, we have been very deliberate over the last, I would call it five to seven years about raising the visibility of our organization, our mission, and this city kind of all at once. We are, in a nutshell, the the official convention and sports authority for Washington, D.C., and our job, put simply, is to sell Washington, D.C. as the premier place in the the country, if not the world, uh, to have an event uh, of any kind, whether that's a convention, trade show, meeting, uh, special event, sporting event, or an entertainment event. And so uh, we, we try to do that as best we can. We think it's, this is the best city in the world to be selling. This is a really good time to be selling the city and to be um, raising its, its visibility uh, amongst residents uh, and, and visitors. And so we're, we're pleased to be able to do that. So why do you think this is a particularly good time to be in the city and to activate the community like you are now? So, you know, I've been here for two plus decades. Um, didn't grow up here, but uh, this is home. Um, there is something palatable happening in Washington right now. Um, for the last several years, I think we've been growing at a fairly steady rate of about a, a thousand new visitors per month moving into the city, um, which says a lot for a city of our size, just around 700,000 people. Um, but there is a, a palatable sense of self-love going on in D.C. that I didn't see when I visited here as a child kind of in the 80s. Um, people who were third, fourth, fifth generation and grew up here, loved it, had that rooted for the Redskins and the Bullets and everybody else. But people who 
came here either for work or for school or whatever, I'm not certain embraced it as much as you, you see it now. Uh, if I had a dollar for every time I see the stars and bars, either on a tattoo or on a shirt or I love DC, all of these kinds of expressions of, of love for our city um, amongst people who are, you know, longtime residents as well as newbies. And, uh, and I think that makes it a special time to be selling the city because you have the community behind you. So talk to me about some of the big projects that you have coming up. I know one especially is a new arena that's opening this fall that has a special connection with Go-Go, which is a born and bred music genre from D.C. So can you talk a little bit more about the significance of it and why it's so special here? Yeah, we're really happy. Um, We hope to open in September of this year, 2018, uh, Entertainment and Sports Arena uh, over on the St. Elizabeth's uh, East Campus uh, on Martin Luther King Avenue uh, in Congress Heights neighborhood, uh, the historic Congress Heights neighborhood, uh, for a couple reasons. Uh, one, the building will, will be the home to the Washington Wizards and the Mystics. Uh, a training facility will be one part of the building where those you know, well-paid, uh, world-class athletes uh, are there day in and day out honing their, their, their craft. Uh, the other part of the building is a 4,200-seat arena, uh, and that will be the home court for the Mystics and the new uh, G League team uh, that Monumental Sports Entertainment owns that will be called the Capital City Go-Go, uh, an homage to our native uh, music genre born here in Washington, D.C. So uh, we're happy about that because it's happening in Congress Heights. It's going to be built east of the river. Um, it will be a catalyst towards revitalizing the St. Elizabeth's campus, which for many, many decades was only known as the home to uh, John Hinckley, who shot President Reagan and the, and the, you know, the mental hospital there. Uh, but that entire place will be essentially turned into a town center. And the entertainment and sports arena will be a big part of increasing foot traffic and visibility for that area of town and bringing people not just who are familiar with Congress Heights in Southeast Washington, but people from all over the region and hopefully from all over the country to see basketball and boxing and esports uh, and, of course, concerts and music and festivals and, and, and other co- kinds of cultural expression. So we think it's a really big and important project for the city. Uh, our city has been really good historically at putting these large scale public assembly buildings in neighborhoods that need a shot in the arm. Whether it was our original convention center, the current convention center, Nationals Park, the new soccer stadium, all of those buildings have gone into places that weren't the best neighborhoods, but that those neighborhoods started to change because of the catalyst that that those buildings uh, provided. So what was so special about Congress Heights that made um, the the final decision to kind of have something out there? Because currently, I mean, like you said, there was St. Elizabeth's Hospital, but there wasn't really a whole lot of other things that right. were in that neighborhood. So so what was sort of the final catalyst that made the final decision to, to be there? Well, I, I think um, the, the sheer amount of land on the St. Elizabeth East Campus, which belongs to the city, provided the, the opportunity to do some building and some renovation uh, and revitalization uh, of that neighborhood. Um, the West Campus, as you may know, uh, is occupied by the federal government. The uh, Coast Guard is there now, and Homeland Security will be consolidated there, I think, very shortly. They have a presence there now, but they're moving all of their people over there. Uh, and so our city is moving to the east. It has to. 
Um, and what, what some people don't know if they haven't spent much time east of the river is that the best views in the city are over there. Um, and uh, there's still real value that you can get as a resident and a home buyer. Uh, and, and it's a part of our, our, our city that, that, that needs some, some TLC and needs some investment. And we're happy to be part of that investment. So for the new G League team, uh, how did you, what was kind of the, the reason for incorporating GoGo into the mix? Why was, it, why was it important to sort of bring that to light? So, you know, um, hats off to Ted Leonsis and his team at Monumental Sports and Entertainment for, I think, taking the temperature of this city and of this community and understanding that uh, GoGo has historically been so important to this city and to this region uh, and that it, it, it deserved a little more shine, as we like to say, and uh, uh, deciding to name their, their, new, their new franchise uh, for the music that was born here in Washington, D.C., uh, I think they got really good. I don't want to speak on their behalf, but I think they got really good results and feedback from the community when they tested out probably a few different names. Uh, and this one resonated. And, uh, and, and, and I'm glad. I mean, it's something that, you know, when, when that team plays in other cities around the country, that may cause people to ask, well, well what is GoGo? And then and our ability to provide that answer is going to do more to, pr- to promote the music in the art form. And will there also be bands and local music at the arena as well? Yeah, well, we are very much looking forward to hopefully making this arena a, a home for um, lots of local talent, but also national and regional talent. Um, that 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 needs to be showcased that needs an opportunity to uh um to to show what they're able to do we've we've been pretty good at 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 trying to do that both with the jazz festival and with some of the other events uh that we've been involved with but yeah um there are lots of things i'd like to see happen you know i i could see us possibly doing kind of a showtime at the apollo kind of thing or, or or something that allows us to really uh, bring out the talent that we know is resident in this city and in this region uh, on a on a platform that uh, that will help them to uh, to to show the world what they can do. So events DC is very unique in the sense that it not only brings to light local music to people in the community, but also it's trying to build a national platform for what's happening here in DC. And one of the other ways that you do this is through South by Southwest every year, which is very unique. So can you talk a little bit more about how you activate musicians in the community to to do South by Southwest? Yeah, um, you know, the city has been uh, participating in, in the South by Southwest Festival for I think about six years. Uh, we've been formally involved, I think this was our, our fourth year uh, of NCDC. Um, the, the primary purpose for the city to go to South by and to that festival was really to ensure that Creators, entrepreneurs, makers, um, and, 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 and people who are involved in kind of the creative milieu knew that D.C. was a place that had its doors open for those kinds of folks, that you could come here, start your business, grow your business, uh, live here, and that there was a community of people who were going to support you. Uh, both in the public sector and in the private sector. Uh, And that's what we did for a long time. When we got involved about four years ago, uh, we went down to just kind of 
you know, take the temperature and, and see the landscape, see what's going on down there. Like any other city, we want to figure out how to have it south by southwest in D.C., right? We'd rather, we'd rather have hundreds of thousands of people coming to Washington uh, and spending their money in our city as opposed to uh, uh, Austin necessarily. Well, do you think that will happen at some point? I think it will happen at some point. I mean, you know, south by as it is today is something that's been a few decades in, in, in growing and planning. It, it wasn't an overnight success. I mean, it started as a small thing and grew to this large thing. And I think um, there are certain things, the 202 Festival that happens here, you know, the Washington Ideas Festival, uh, the folks at, uh, at Halcyon House and, and a bunch of the arts community here are putting together something called uh, uh, By the People, uh, which is going to be a, a festival, uh, arts and, and, and creative festival here in Washington, D.C., um, and obviously the jazz festival. So, yes, I think there, there are a lot of different kind of pieces that have to come together, and we have to figure out which of them uh, can grow into something like a South By. Um, so when we, got, when we got involved, it was really to say, okay, we're talking about entrepreneurs and creators, et cetera, but, but let's tell people why this is a good city to visit and maybe to move to. You know, what are they going to do when they live here, when they have their businesses here? What are they going to do when they go out? What can they expect in terms of the music scene? What can they expect in terms of the sports uh, landscape? Uh, more recently, what can they expect in terms of the, the dining uh, landscape? I mean, we're one of the foremost kind of food cities in the country now. And that's something that people who have lived here for a very long time know that Washington had a terrible reputation for food. I mean, it was, it was a place that was known as you know, a, a place where you'd get steak and go to steakhouses and things like that, but not very much else. And now we have celebrity chefs from all over the country looking to come and start restaurants here. So we've included that as well to really speak to the full um, cultural identity of the city. Uh, so, so we got involved and, and we work with a, with a, with a great um, a great person who's helped us curate uh, the music stuff down at South by a guy named Miles Gray. Um, who has really been responsible for kind of picking the local acts um, that we look to showcase down at South By. And the notion was, let's give them this grand stage to be able to show what they do uh, and to be able to represent Washington, D.C. and the DMV more broadly. Uh, and it's gone great. And we, we, we're happy that lots of those acts have gone on to, you know, headline big shows, big touring shows around the country and, and, and drop EPs that, that people are very pleased with. And, um, um, you know, last year, not this year, but in 2017, uh, we did the biggest show they had had down at, at, at South by at ACL Live in their, their premier music venue sellout show. Uh, we had Erica Badu and Wu Tang Clan on the anniversary of their first album, and we allowed we had um, Rare Essence and Boomscat and Magic Giant and some other uh, you know acts like that that came down, and they were able some of these smaller acts were able to share the stage and the billing with Wu Tang Clan and Erica Badu, which is a pretty big deal, and got them a lot of attention for being on the same and performing on the same stage in the same show as those acts, and we think that that's beneficial. Um, to local acts. And so this year you did something different where you included an all-female lineup for this year's South by Southwest. So how did things go this year? What, what kind of reaction did you see from the crowd and what kind of benefits did you see afterwards from this? Well, everybody was pretty psyched about the all-female lineup. And, and I don't want to say that we kind of went into it thinking, let's do an all-female lineup. But I think as Miles and his team started to kind of survey the landscape and figure out 
you know, with the timing, who we could get and, and what the vibe should be, et cetera. It just kind of came to the fore that, oh, wow, we could actually we could actually do this whole show with an all female kind of female led lineup uh, from the DJs to the to performing acts and the bands. Um, and it was really, really well received. Um, people loved it. Uh, and I think that was based less on, oh, it's an all female lineup than the fact that everybody who performed was talented uh, and happened to be female. And so I think, you know, given what's going on in the country right now, that that vibe aligned well with where we are as, as, a, as a country right now. Um, but we were really pleased. We, were, we got great press around it. Um, the acts got great press uh, and, you know, couldn't be happier. So do you think compared to other cities like New York and L.A. that D.C.'s music scene is nationally just as celebrated and recognized and if not what do you think needs to happen in order to kind of get to that point i don't think it's as celebrated and recognized although it should be um you know dc has a rich musical history um you know dating back to duke ellington and the whole jazz movement and um then obviously go-go with chuck brown and, and and trouble funk and and i could go on and on uh, and then punk, right? You know, the Foo Fighters got their start here and, and the punk movement and 930 Club had a lot to do with that. Uh, thank goodness we have a place like that in our city. Um, so I don't think we get full credit for having such deep musical roots as a city. Um, but, you know, we're going to try to change that. And shows like yours hopefully will help try to change that. And, and the stuff we do at South By and uh, will we'll, we'll help to change that as well. Um, and I'm not certain why it is. I, I, I think that, you know, Gogo had a had a, a, a national kind of anointing coming out of the Spike Lee movies and, and, and stuff in the 80s and, and early 90s. And then it kind of died down some, but then kind of came back with Jill Scott. And, and obviously Wale on the hip hop side uh, has infused Gogo in his music. And I think that's helped it a bit as well. Uh, so I think it's there. But we just need everybody kind of loving dc and what and what we're about and spreading the gospel for someone who's not from here who doesn't really know very much about what's going on in the community what do you think is one thing about dc that people from out of town may not know that they should know um this is not just the federal city right this is a city of seven hundred thousand residents of people who have been here for generations as well as new people um who love the, the local city. I call it the municipal city. Uh, the neighborhoods, the rich tradition and the history that we have in places like Congress Heights and Capitol Hill um, uh, and, 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 and uh, Petworth and Brightwood and, and all these other places that have such rich history. Um, I think people should understand that this isn't just a transient town. It always offends me when I hear people when I hear people say that. I've probably not made a whole lot of friends because I've corrected a lot of people when they say, "Oh, DC is just a transient town." I go, "No, no, no, no." There are people who come to work on the hill and to come to schools, the great schools we have here in Howard and Georgetown and GW and and Trinity and Catholic and others. Um, but people stay here too. Like I have a lot of friends who grew up here, left to go to college in other places or start their career in other places, and couldn't wait to get back. I grew up in New Jersey. I like the fact that I grew up in New Jersey. I was never trying to go back there. I was never trying to live there. I was never trying to raise my family there. This place is special in that way. And 
I, I want people to know that about D.C. We're, we're a place that, that loves itself, that has a lot to offer, as much to offer as any other city and in many ways more. Um, and it's not just a, a way station for people who are on their way someplace else. Well, the next uh, event that I want to talk about, speaking of big things that you're doing with Events DC, is DC Jazz Fest. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with Sunny, who is the executive director of DC Jazz Fest, um, in addition to Eric also joining us too. So we're going to take a moment, and we'll be back soon. Hey, Chad. That's it, oh, that's it. Y'all tired of being cold? Y'all ready for the summer? I'm excited to bring Sunny Sumter, who is the executive director of DC Jazz Fest. So she's he's here. She's here with us now. So welcome, Sunny. It is a pleasure to be here, Stephanie. Thank How you, are you for doing? having us. Oh well, yes, it's a pleasure. And uh, speaking of DC and jazz, so for the uninitiated, what are some things that people may not know about DC's jazz scene who are out of town and are completely oblivious to what's going on here? I think the one thing is that D.C. is a jazz city. Uh, if you think about great jazz cities around the country, you think of New Orleans, you think of New York, and you think of D.C. In fact, a lot of jazz musicians come here. They move here because there's lots of work. Because you can find jazz throughout the year um, at traditional clubs, uh, but also at non-traditional spaces. So I think this is a really good town to find whatever pleases you, because there's something for everybody in the jazz umbrella, under, under the jazz umbrella. Uh, so that thing, I think that's the biggest thing. So how did you get involved with the festival? Ah. Charlie Fishman, uh, the founder of the festival, um, in 2003 started to pin it on a paper napkin, actually in this neighborhood, in the Adams Morgan neighborhood, of a restaurant called Cashins. And I performed at the first jazz festival. It was on the mall, and I was one of the performers because in a former life, I was a jazz singer and still am, but raising kids and run, and this is the big kid, right? This uh, beautiful DC jazz festival that we have. And so I came on board after doing some public policy work with Aspen Institute and learning a lot about partnerships in DC. I came on board just to work with partnerships for Jazz Fest and uh, fell in love with it. And my role and responsibilities uh, grew uh, as the years went on. And oh my God, as of last month, I've been with the festival for 10 amazing years. Wow. 
And for those who have never been to DC Jazz Fest, I, there's, I feel like I was looking at the schedule the other day and there's so much happening that it was hard for me to kind of pinpoint exactly, you know, everything and, and to cover everything. So can you describe a little bit about what it is and what people can expect? Well, DC Jazz Festival, um, you know, kicks off the 8th through the 17th and we're in over 27 neighborhoods in all four quadrants of the city. Wow. And there really is something for everybody. And you can go, and majority of the events are free. There's some ticketed events. We have so many great partners. Like, uh, I know that uh, Eric has talked about, as our uh, presenting sponsors talked about, our new relationship with the District Wharf, because DC loves, DC Jazz Fest loves to introduce new neighborhoods. Uh, the one is the stunning District Wharf, which I know as a Washington native, going to the fish market there when I was a little girl. So to see it with this big sparkle on it is pretty amazing. We're gonna do two big days there, activating three main stages, free, 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 and then we're doing a ticketing event at the Anthem, which is a 6,000-seat theater. We're also doing the Kennedy Center. We've got National Gallery of Art. We're doing 12 events east of the river in Ward 7 and 8. We've got Brooklyn covered. We've got Adams Morgan covered. We've got um, uh, U Street covered. Uh, uh, Bohemian Caverns, which was run by Umrah, Umrah Brown. Uh, Umrah is now curating Soto, D.C. on 14th Street which is this very hip club. Uh, it, it's free to hear the music. We want you to eat some food. There's also the Alex um, uh, Speakeasy Cellar uh, Bar in Georgetown in the bottom of the Graham Hotel uh, restaurant. It's a really lovely, really cool um, undercover spot. you got to make reservations because it sells out. It's on Saturday night. So there really is something for everybody. So what we always do is say grab your calendar, go to the website, and start to pen in what you want to do and then invite your friends and before you know it you've got a dozen events on your calendar for june so this festival is probably one of the largest festivals in dc right now so how what kind of team do you have to put this together what does it take to do something this massive dc jazz fest presented by events dc makes this possible yes you know um really it's a stakeholder investment the, the government of the District of Columbia, so we have the D.C. Commission on the Arts and Humanities, the Deputy Mayor's Office, the, the uh, D.C. Agency on Cable TV, Film, Radio, Entertainment, and Music. Um, we've got um, so many of our great sponsor partners, the Washington Post, City Paper. Um, we've got Sage Communications, which does our marketing. We're all holding hands around this because when I talk to my uh, other executive director friends that are doing Monterey Jazz Fest in California, New Orleans Jazz Fest down in, in Louisiana, um, um, the Winter Jazz Fest in New York, their budgets are a lot larger than ours. So I think it really is um, a love fest in that so many people know that this is a jazz city. And so we are going, you know, through through really a partnership and a collaborative um, uh, way, we are making this jazz fest possible. And in fact, we call it the jazz taker of the, takeover of the city. And Eric, how did you first hear about DC Jazz Fest, and what made you decide that this was something special to you? So Charlie Fishman, who, as Sonny said, was the founder and is our chairman emeritus uh, of the festival, uh, contacted Events DC, and I had the pleasure of sitting down with him and talking about the festival. At that point, we were much more involved in sports in the city than we were in music uh, and in entertainment, and I wanted to change that and didn't quite know how to do it. 
But after talking to he and Sonny and spending time with them and hearing more about the festival, I thought that it would be the perfect way for us to, to support a really great festival in our city um, and, and for us to be associated more with entertainment and more with music. And that really was the start of it. And we've, you know, thankfully been able to do quite a bit uh, to support music in the city since then, but it all started with our relationship with the DC Jazz Festival. And, you know, to Sonny's point, we are dwarfed in terms of uh, our, our budget by some of the larger uh, festivals that have been going on, jazz festivals around the country. But this is why at this time in this city's life where people are loving Washington, D.C., we need them to love everything about Washington and support homegrown festivals like this one to come out to vote with their feet, as I like to say, uh, to come to the free events, but also come to the ticketed events because it is showing that popularity that allows us to have better conversations with sponsors, that allows us to bring more people to it and to grow the festival so that there continues to be something for everyone, free and paid, and the kinds of artists that we all want to see. So speaking of artists, what are some of the musicians that are going to be performing? For people who look at the schedule and they're like, I don't really know anybody on here. Who, who do you think are some standouts that you're like, you know, if you go, you need to see this person? So um, anyone who's seen the Hamilton Broadway show knows Leslie Odom Jr. But what they may not know is that he is an amazing jazz singer. So we're head- he's headlining the anthem on June 16th. And the good thing about that concert is that you get three performances in one because we're bringing Robert Glasper's supergroup. He's got some great hip-hop artists that are coming that worked with Kendrick Lamar that are going to do a fantastic show. And then I know this audience knows Maceo Parker, who was the musical director for James Brown and puts on a funk show unlike no other, but he's going to serve it up with some jazz. So this is three distinct um, uh, musical um, concerts that in one. And so, you know, ticket sales are going really well. So if you want your tickets, go, you know, to dcjazzfest.org and, and get some. The, uh, some other things is we're having an international stage at the wharf. So we're featuring an amazing uh, Brazilian pianist named Ivan Lins, who Brazilians know about him, those that are from Brazil. But if you don't, the good thing about discovering the unexpected around our theme of Jazz Fest is that you discover so many people that you've never heard about that are actually incredible, fantastic artists that really are great musical experiences. So we've got Christian Scott coming, who's a great trumpet player in the jazz world. We have Chucho Valdez and Gonzalo Rubacaba, who's doing a Cuban piano master's concert at the Kennedy Center. And people who love Cuban music will love that that duo performance there. Uh, we also have some great musical performances of Blues Alley with uh, Lisa Fisher, who played with Luther Vandross for many years, and um, and Roy Hargrove, who's coming as well at City Winery. We're featuring Fred Yanay. He did a big thing with Dave Chappelle um, when Dave Chappelle was doing the HBO with the Warner Theater. He was the harmonica player with that. Um, Fred is oh. is one of our own. He's doing a concert. In fact, he's opening the festival on June 7th. We've got Patricia Barber that's coming to us for Capital Pride Weekend from Chicago. We've got the Bad Plus that's coming to City Winery. We have Terrence Blanchard. We all know him from the Spike Lee movies. Well, he's coming to the Hamilton Live uh, on the 10th, and he's bringing some amazing music. We've got Regina Carter, who's this fantastic 
fantastic, bad jazz violinist from Detroit. She's coming uh, on June the 8th. Oh, my goodness, I could just keep going on. It's a long list. It's a long list, and it keeps going. And I need to say this, Stephanie. We have the greatest jazz artists who happen to live in the city. Some of them are touring with some of the greatest uh, musicians, um, uh, jazz and beyond. And they are in about 150 uh, performances. So, you know, definitely we want this community to come out and support our own because they're going to be performing throughout the 10 days here in D.C. How do you decide who gets to be a part of the final lineup? What goes into the process of booking? So we have this incredible iconic artistic director by the name of Willard Jenkins. He programmed Tri-C Jazz Fest in Ohio, Tribeca Jazz Festival he still works with, and Beantown Festival in Boston. He came on board three years ago and has really lifted the festival in terms of our lineup. You know, with him we brought Common a couple of years ago and that was fantastic. He works with, he programs about 40% of the festival and he works with other curators at Hamilton Live, City Winery, Kennedy Center, um, and other venues to really program the best artists. So he works very closely with partners all around the city to give us a really diverse uh, mix of performance. Wow. Well, we definitely have a lot more to talk about with DC Jazz Fest. So we're going to take a quick break. And I'd also like to talk with you more about your thoughts about the DC jazz scene in general here. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more DC Jazz Fest and Sunny. You're going to rise up singing And you'll spread your wings As you take up to the sky Up until that morning There ain't no nothing can harm you We're back. If you don't know what you're listening to, well, you're listening to Know Your Scene, a show by DC Music Download that broadcasts live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan on Full Service Radio. And we're back with Sunny, who is executive director of DC Jazz Fest. So, Sunny, we were just talking a little bit earlier about all the things that you're doing with DC Jazz Fest. And you're also a musician here in the city as well. So, from your experiences living here, how have you have seen the jazz music scene evolve? It's such a good question because sometimes we get articles that come out in our important papers here in D.C. that says that jazz is dead, <laughs> which I know that jazz is, um, uh, is ab- absolutely thriving. Um, I think that you know the audience development piece is more alive than ever. And the, well, the one good thing that I can see from 
let's say 10 years ago and now is that there is a entree of jazz available to anybody that wants to experience it. You can go to 18th Street Lounge and have house music on one level and then on the next level have Dante McCoy serving up some jazz and it will be packed on both levels. Um, you know, you can really go to Blues Alley and Harry Schnipper has done such a great job with programming so many uh, varied aspects of jazz that, um, you know, it's just such a wonderful jazz club to go and, and be a part of. And that's an institution along with Twins Jazz on U Street. And so I think, you know, you've got our traditional clubs, but then you have loft experiences like the Capital Bop Loft series that's run by um, Luke Stewart and Gus um, and, and um, Gus Rosanello. And I think the good thing about them is that they're bringing in next gen and millennials that may think that jazz is something that their parents listen to or perhaps even their grandparents. And then they go into a loft situation and hear some jazz and go, oh, this is jazz, too. So I think it really demystifies what jazz is when you come to D.C. and you go to different venues and hear jazz music because it's so varied. So speaking of venues that we were talking about that are here in D.C. that promote jazz, one venue that I'm sad that is gone now is Bohemian Caverns. And, you know, there are some people who said, you know, we should have just made this a historical site because there's so much history involved with this venue. What are your thoughts about the, the its closing and the fact that it's not in existence anymore? Well, you know, it's hard to speak for uh, Umrah Brown, who was is still a champion for jazz in D.C. I know firsthand... Um, that just his heartfelt dig deep approach to making sure that that was a true jazz venue and some of the budding artists really were able to cut their teeth in that venue but then he brought some fantastic artists like Farrell Sanders and Ron Carter to Bohemian Caverns and you got a chance to sit in, in you know we're eight feet apart from these jazz icons. So, you know, it was very sad and continues to be sad when we think about um, D.C. as a jazz city that Bohemian is not represented. Um, our hope is that, you know, miracles happen, that somehow we can revive that institution and, and to really continue um, building that. But I am excited to hear that Umrao is still has a foot in D.C. with jazz, with um, programming the room at Soto, D.C., and also being involved in some other projects in D.C. So for the future of jazz here in D.C., where do you kind of see it going? I see it expanding, you know, as life expands. I think it's going to take on some new approaches. The music changes with, um, with you know, pop music. I think jazz has a has a um, has a place right alongside it. Some of the greatest jazz musicians go off to do, you know, other pop genres, you know. Um, and so I think that it's always going to be relevant because um, there's so many um, artists that are coming up and studying jazz in their middle school, in their high school and universities. Um, that they are then creating avenues so that they can continue to do their music. Some of them do it full-time, like Elijah Balbed, and he's, I love what he does because he's a straight-ahead player. He's always learning. He's always going off and trying to play with the elders. But then he's got this jazz go-go project called Jogo, 
where jazz meets go-go, and I think that's a really inventive way with the music that I really like. I love what Herb Scott and Aaron Myers are doing with the Capitol Hill Jazz Foundation, where they're putting jazz with policy and trying to make sure that musicians um, have rights and there's equity and that, um, you know, they're great places to play in D.C. And, and so that restaurants and clubs can have maybe some a little bit of slack on live permits and things so that they can be able to have presenting opportunities so that jazz musicians can work. And they, they're young guys, you know, in their 20s that are really trying to do this music. So I think it's always going to have a place. I think it's just going to um, uh, grow just as, as uh, the, you know, the cultural scene in D.C. grows. So we talked a little bit about the festival and obviously it's big event that happens in the summer, but also you do smaller events that take place year round. So can you talk a little bit more about how you engage the community on a, on a more recurring basis? So thanks to Events DC, we have a program called Jazz in the Hoods presented by Events DC. And the idea is that you can come out of your house and you can go walk a few blocks or take a short crab ride and have music in your neighborhood. And so we're continuing. We have about 80 concerts during the 10-day festival, and then we're moving to seasonal programming so that we can do really more hoods work in all uh, four wards, um, did I say four wards? Is that right? Or is yes, it is four wards. Um, and they, no, it's eight wards. It's four quadrants, eight wards. Yes, I knew I got that wrong. <laughs> um, and the idea is is that we want to shine the spotlight on so many great jazz artists that are doing uh, amazing work here that we want to. Um, work with other partners uh, to do a, a fall series and a winter series to gear up for the June Fest. Uh, and so I'm very excited that we're going to be doing some work around the Washington Ideas Festival in September, um, where we're going to have a jazz forum and have some concerts, and that'll be right before the Capitol Hill Jazz Foundation Festival um, that's led by uh, Herb Scott and Aaron Myers. Um, that's in uh, August, uh, excuse me, October 1st to the 6th. So the idea is to partner with other um, jazz presenters in D.C. that do this great work, because there are many of us that do it, and to find ways to continue to shine the spotlight on jazz throughout the year. Because I think we are a big driver of jazz in D.C. now after 15 years, that we really want to hold hands with um, the institutions better, not just through in June, but throughout the year. So how did you get interested in jazz? What, what kind of drew you into the sound and the genre? That's so funny. Um, you know, I was with my grandmother, uh, and she, I was nine years old, and she was playing Sarah Vaughn on the radio. And at the time, you know, I was listening to Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey, and, but there was something about Sarah Vaughn's voice that really moved me. And I said, oh, I want to hear more of that. So my grandmother just started playing more Sarah Vaughn, and then I started listening to Ella and I, and I used to sing in the church, so I went from that to, you know, sitting in with my neighbor up the street who was a jazz pianist with the Blackbirds, Kevin Tony. So I would go sit in with him and sing, you know, jazz standards when I was 14, 15, and then I majored in accounting when I got to Howard, but then switched to fine arts and majored in jazz studies and really haven't looked back. Um, I've been blessed to work with some other institutions, the Aspen Institute for one, um, but I really always knew that I uh, that my calling was to really help to uh, be a, 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 a make an impact with jazz, and so I'm glad to be doing what I'm doing today. 
So unfortunately, we are out of time for today's show. But before we leave, what are some jazz artists or bands that are in D.C. right now that people should be listening to? Ooh, let's see. I, I'm going to say some because I'm, I'm sure I'm going to leave some people out. <laughs> so I'm going to say some because I think it really is important for me to do that. So first of all, I have to give a shout out to Rochelle Rice, who just won a songwriting award. Um, she's a fantastic artist and a great incredible inventor. Uh, you have to check Rochelle Rice out. Elijah Balbed's doing some amazing work. Alan Johnson, who runs the program at UDC, the jazz program, this guy never disappoints. He's always so creative and always so spiritual and powerful. He's somebody that you definitely want to see. Sharon Clark happens to be my very favorite vocalist in D.C., but I know she's away. If ever you can get to see her, she's performed sometimes at the Alex in Georgetown. Lena Sakely is this amazing young jazz singer who's lovely. And Chris Grasso is really leading the way. He's an amazing pianist that's helping vocalists along. Paul Carr, uh, who runs the Jazz Academy in Montgomery County and runs the Mid-Atlantic Jazz Festival in February, is so incredible. I gotta give a shout out to my dear friend Marshall Keys, who's on saxophone, serves it up all the time. I mentioned Don Vante McCoy. He's a trumpet player that I really, really love. This Brazilian group, Origem, I really love them. Janelle Gill is one of my favorites, too. She's such a really just lovely, thoughtful pianist. I love listening to her. Chris Fun and Corner Store, I love. John Lee's trio, I love. Quincy Phillips, when he's not playing with Roy Hargrove, does some amazing things. I could go on and on and on. Wow. Yeah, so like you said, DC jazz is definitely not dead. So there you go. That's a testament to it. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So thank you so much, Sonny, for being on the show. And for those who are listening, definitely go check out DC Jazz Fest. Definitely a crown jewel here in DC's music scene. If you want to learn more about it, you can go to dcjazzfest.org for more details. And we're going to leave you right now with a DC band who's playing at the festival called the Joe... The... Joe Go Project. Uh, Say that three times fast. The single that they have is called Summertime, and we're going to be listening to that for the outro. So thank you so much, and we'll see you again here on April 19th.
probably why your mama's so good looking. So hush, little baby, 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 don't you cry. Yeah.